them. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. We're coming to you from the Complete Media Network, and joining me as always on a Monday, Jason Cameron. Hey, buddy, how's it going? I am doing well. I am doing good. Such a beautiful day. Such a beautiful day. And I am definitely going to enjoy it once we're done here, done our beautiful broadcast. Nice. Well, I've been out there all day. I had an early tee-off time. Uh, we we were going to do uh, Father's Day golf, and um, my dad just said, uh, it's always ridiculous trying to get a tee time. Tough on a Sunday. Lots going on. So why don't we just uh, push it one day to Monday, and we'll get a tee-off time. So uh, I called t- to book, and they said, uh, okay, we've got two tee-off times. We've got a... 8.50 or we've got a 6.15 so I'm like all right 6.15 that sounds good <laughs> and uh, then I changed my mind no <laughs> no 6.15 that's ridiculous so uh, 8.50 it was gorgeous already just uh, smoking hot out there um, we played around in four hours which I was hoping so so we could do this and uh, right bang on four hours it was and uh, hell of a day beautiful course so we played a course called Newlands it's in uh, Langley uh, I think you were I think you might have been on the same production we were on we filmed out there in there for a, a scene in in the clubhouse place there and anyway yeah gorgeous course played there a couple times with my my dad and uh, really love it yeah I I I, I do. I think I do remember that, but I actually remember Newlands for uh, a, a different reason for okay. myself. Nice. That's where I had my way back in the day, my high school graduation. No way. Of course. Yeah. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's that, fun. That's, that, yeah, that's a long, long time ago. But yes, <laughs> I, that's how I remember that place. And it's a really nice golf course, though. Nice. Good choice. Good choice. Do you remember? Do you remember much about that day, that uh, graduation ceremony, and all that kind of stuff back there? Do you remember much? Let's be honest. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it's a while back, but yeah, no, I'm glad we got out. Uh, golf was uh, pretty huge in my family. My grandfather on my dad's side played it a lot. My dad, uh, his sister especially, her. Uh, my my uncle and uh, my aunt they live down in North Carolina and they they play a ton of golf and my dad tries to get out as much as he possibly can so yeah it's a really good way to bond for Father's Day and uh, yeah he was over here uh, they live over on the island but uh, he was over here for a few days so it turned out great oh that's awesome that's awesome that's awesome that you were able to spend that time with your father and get some rounds of golf in as well yeah, for Father's yeah. Day. So we're on uh, Father's Day, Boxing Day. Um, yeah, lots of lots of great things happening over the weekend. I heard you went on a picnic. How was that? Picnic was fantastic. You know, it, it's it's so good to have fried fried chicken, nice, and for your pick for your picnic and have a couple drinks, and then yeah, it was it was good and it was such a beautiful day. Yeah. Um, the dogs were always coming sniffing around because, oh, they could smell the chicken as well. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Just run through. That's all good. It's all good. It was it was a lot of fun. Did you go to some park or did you go to somebody's house or? 
Oh, no, no, we just went to um, just down the street from where I live. There's a park called Fraser River Park. And so nice. we just went there. And then at that park, it's like an off-leash dog park as well. So okay. you had a lot of dogs running around and a lot of people there as well, actually. It was, yeah, it was nice. Cool, cool. I was, uh, I was so tired this morning. I, 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 I shouldn't have said 6.15 uh, right off the bat. I should have just been like immediate nine. Uh, I woke up at 20 after five and I was like, oh no. And I thought to myself, why do I do this kind of stuff to myself so often? I keep pushing the envelope, staying up later and later and later all the time. And, and I realized that a few years ago, I realized I have that FOMO really bad, fear of missing out. And I always had that in my whole life. And it's still, I thought I had kind of got a handle on it, but no, it's still there. I still want to stay up really really late and wake up really early and i don't want to miss anything so you know i end up feeling super tired as i was driving all the way from langley back out here i was thinking holy cow i don't know if i'm gonna make this i might fall asleep on the drive here this is rough and yeah i've been up i've been up way 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 too early for how late i keep staying up yeah yeah i i i understand i can i can be like that as well but uh so what I like to do is I think what you're going to do for yourself, because literally now you've been up for over 24 hours, right? <laughs> yeah. So now going to bed tonight is going to be easy, even right. though it's right. hot and you're going to be sweating, but your body's just going to be like, I don't care. I'm yeah. so tired. It's going to pass out. It's going to be great. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. I'll catch up tonight. I'm sure. Uh, luckily my place is pretty cool. So uh, I, I do like that. Uh, I heard it's supposed to get crazy hot. Like we're going to get a heat wave coming through here. There's uh, 40 in the interior, they say, and and uh, mid 30s possibly uh, through here. So that's hot for this part of the world. Yes, it is. It is very hot. I wasn't actually expecting it to be this hot this soon. Yeah. Because usually we have our hot times in like uh, the month of July and August and stuff. Not usually June. June's not oh. usually this hot yeah. this soon. So. I'm a little bit surprised, but I, I've always thought that this summer was going to be nice, and I, I think it's going to be exceptionally nice now. Yeah, well, today is actually the official first day of summer, so happy summer to you. I uh, hope we have a phenomenal one. Uh, I didn't uh, enjoy last year, last summer. Um, we had the lockdown, and all the restrictions were on. There was no concerts. There was no games. There was really... Uh, uh, you know, there was quite a gap between games to watch on TV, and yeah, I, I didn't enjoy last summer. I sure hope this one's going to be a lot better than last one. No, I, I, I'm, I'm sure it will be, because last summer was basically no fun summer. There's no fun here, and there, there might be no fun forever. <laughs> That's what <laughs> yeah. it almost felt like, right? Yeah. Like nothing's ever going to come back online. So at least now there's uh, light at the end of the tunnel. We can see that we're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. getting making a ton of progress and hopefully in the next couple of months maybe by the end of the year maybe we're completely past all of this yeah we'll see uh i know we're going to talk a lot about basketball uh, some big game sevens this weekend uh the start of the conference finals are finally here uh we're going to talk about the usc uh two uh usc vegas uh 29 uh, Dan Ige, Korean Zombie, lots to uh, break down there, but um, I do want to touch on the Euro Cup. Uh, the world of soccer, um, 
gets uh, really amped up when the Euro Cup's on. Uh, I've been going to games a little bit, uh, watching a ton on TV. Uh, absolutely loving it. Uh, it's a really amazing tournament. And um, one of the things that came out of this tournament the other day was Christian Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greatest players on earth, uh, went sat down after a Portugal game uh, at the press conference table, and in front of him was a couple of bottles of Coke, and he just grabbed them and he moved them away from himself, moved them kind of off the table, out of the camera sight. Uh, the very next day, Coca-Cola's value dropped $4 billion in value because of that move alone. That is crazy, crazy, crazy power that a move like that, just not wanting to have them sitting in front of them and move them off to the side, could cause that much of an economic downturn with the stock in Coca-Cola. It's, it's amazing the influence he has. Apparently, Coke is not one of his sponsors. <laughs> so that's, that's why he cannot be associated with that stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing how much uh, emphasis you can have on any sort of marketing product. That guy, like that's, yeah. that's ridiculous. I, I, I did not know that. And that is some real power. So yeah. I'm sure Coke had probably reached out to his, uh, his representatives and said, well, maybe we can make this right. Maybe we can give you money. <laughs> yeah 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 that would be very smart uh, that would be very smart if they can uh, come together because he has the largest social media following on the planet larger than the kardashians larger than the jenners the uh whoever's you know out there uh he has the largest social media following and um i think people were stunned that it was that much of an influence that kind of quick movement could change things that rapidly but uh i really want to get cristiano ronaldo on as a guest and uh see the see see my influence uh, move up like that uh, i was able to get um, one of the juventus uh soccer central coordinators and one of the guys that runs juventus academy uh, in the u.s uh, just trying to start putting it together and getting a lot of Juventus guys. And then hopefully Cristiano becomes a guest here. And, and uh, all of a sudden $4 billion that was lost from Coke can flow my way. I wouldn't mind it. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome because I'd only take a percent of that, right? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all I need. And you know, yeah. we'll be good. We'll be good. This you just, be yeah, you'll get a good percentage. You just got to... Um, Bone up on your uh, soccer knowledge a little bit, so you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, I do. Yeah, I really do. Come in and ask him some really good questions that'll make him go, "Oh, okay, I like these guys. I want to keep coming on week after week." Yeah, that that would be great. And yes, you're absolutely right. I would need to know like something about, like you know, soccer or sorry, footy, footy. Footy. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I had a great guest on on Friday. His name was Barry Grant Jr. He has a podcast called The All Even Podcast. He does it uh, out of New York, and he reached out to us and asked if he could be a guest. Uh, him and I had fantastic conversation about tons of sports. He reminded me a lot of you and his uh, wide knowledge in so many areas of sports. And, and uh, one of the things that he said reminded me a lot about you was how much he had predicted Miami to go very far in the bubble 
and uh, end up, you know, it ended up coming true as they faced the Lakers. And he called the Phoenix Suns the new Miami Heat going, yeah, yeah the team that's going to be the one that goes this far this year. Uh, he, he said they remind him so much uh, of, the, of that Miami team. Uh, what about yourself? Did you, do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% I agree because, you know, like the one thing that struck me last year with the Miami Heat was just how well they played as a cohesive unit. Like yeah. not just one guy or two guys. Like, I mean, everybody on that team. Yeah. And then you also had like Tyler Hero come out of nowhere and step up immensely and just step his game up. And then you had your two superstars being in Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler lead the way for everybody else to follow. Like that's, that's just how well they were as a group, as a team. And yeah. I see the same thing with the Phoenix Suns. Like even, yes, I, I definitely see the same thing with the Phoenix Suns. Like that whole team is playing fantastic. Like even considering for that game one, Paul wasn't playing. Yeah. But I, I told you then that Cameron Payne would be able to step up. Yeah. And he did. Yeah, you did. Um, Devin Booker handled the ball a lot more too in uh, Chris Paul's absence. Uh, he got his first career triple-double in that game one victory. Uh, what a performance. Uh, 15 for 29, 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. Uh, the first playoff triple-double since Steve Nash as a Suns player in 2005. First 40-point triple-double since Charles Barkley way back in 93. And, uh, yeah, Booker looked just absolutely incredibly phenomenal. Uh, Booker's dating one of those uh, Jenners, and there was a lot of talk about uh, how well she did trading up uh, to uh, <laughs> Devin Booker. Uh, he's been in the league eight years, and he's only 25 years old. Uh, isn't that incredible that he's been around eight years, finally getting his due, finally getting his chance to be in a really big spotlight conference final, and, man, did he ever step up. Yes, he did. He he certainly stepped up. He stepped up. He stepped up in a, a lot of big ways and yeah. a lot of monumental ways because not only did he actually have to kind of carry the offensive load, he had to make sure that all of his teammates were involved in the offense as well. That was yeah. something that he'd usually just make, like Chris Paul would just take that. That would be his job. That would be yeah. what he had to do. But so this time can... he had to take that on. Sure and is. he did it so so immaculate he, was, he did it so well yeah it was amazing it was amazing man. yeah no it was incredible and uh yeah it's just wild to see the remaining playoff teams the last championship that's won in the four remaining playoff teams is 1971 uh the bucks won uh 1958 the hawks won but they were still in st louis then uh, so it's still that franchise, but not in Atlanta and the Clippers and the Suns have never won a championship. So, um, I, I mentioned Barry Grant. I'll mention him again. He said it felt like a twilight zone season. Uh, this is the first time that a number one seed hasn't made the conference finals, uh, since 1995 when the Rockets went and won. Uh, so bizarre year. Um, I think, you know, this regular season was a uh, short off season, compacted, lots of COVID issues, lots of injuries. 
uh, those teams that were good in the regular season just didn't seem to have it in the playoffs. You know what? You know what? This 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 whole playoffs, this whole season actually has seemed to me, anyways. It just seems like a war of attrition, right? Like for the players, you know what I mean? Like it, it's just what team can make it to the end with the most amount of their star players still intact, <laughs> right? Because everybody else is just getting injured, and then obviously you can attribute that to the the shortened off season. Yep. People didn't have enough rest. And you obviously can attribute to the pandemic, right? And yeah. then how that uh, would affect your roster and your lineup for the regular season games, for the playoff games. Because look at what's happened with the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul can't even play. Yeah. And we don't know when he's going to be able to come back in the series, actually. Still a question, right? So, right. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's just that's what it's reminded me of a war of attrition. Like, because even with the Bucks and Nets with that series, I'm pretty sure that series is a lot different. If the big three are healthy. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. It's going to go uh, much, much, much different. Uh, I, I loved how much the uh, sun spread the scoring around. Uh, we I mentioned Booker, what he had, but DeAndre Ayton had 20 points, nine rebounds. Bridges had 14. Crowder had 13. Cameron Johnson, 12. Cameron Payne had 11 and, and nine assists. Uh, Torrey Craig had eight. Uh, just... Great to see that many guys in double figures. Um, yeah, maybe we should make Devin Booker the uh, point guard all the time, and uh, uh, maybe they don't need Chris Paul. No, I'm just joking, but uh, holy cow. Uh, yeah, just great to see him spread the ball around that well and get his 42. And, and incredible. It was incredible. But, I, 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 again, all credit has to go to Chris Paul yeah. by like, being there. And by showing these guys, this is how you manage a game. This is how you manage a game properly. Because yeah. he's one of the best at managing a game, especially when it's winning time, right? Yeah. And I think Kevin Booker took that and used that to win that game, that game one, without yeah. their their leader, you know? Yeah, he said he learned. he's learned so much from Chris Paul being there and just seeing how he manages the games and, and how he plays. Um Obviously, the Clippers, uh, you know, have been doing really well. A lot of teams or a lot of people were talking about Clippers being, you know, one of the deepest teams, having, you know, really top end talent, being able to, sh they should go far. They should challenge uh, the team, the top teams in the West. They've been up and down all year, having a lot of troubles there. But uh, coming back from two O two deficits to be able to reach the conference finals for the first time, pretty remarkable, especially missing Kawhi. Uh, Paul George has stepped up really, really, really well and, and had fantastic games at the end of that Jazz series. And uh, another great, great performance uh, from him, but uh, they're missing Kawhi, obviously. Um, I don't know. Are they going to be able to make a good series out of this if Kawhi doesn't come back? Good question. I think they can. I think they can. Like, as long as Paul George keeps playing as well as he is right now. I, yeah. I think they can make a, a good go of it, but he needs like his Robin. And oh, this is funny for me to say this, but I believe his Robin so far would probably be Reggie Jackson. Reggie right. Jackson in that game had 24 points, six rebounds, four assists, as well as Paul George, 34 points, four rebounds, five assists. Yeah. But Reggie Jackson has been playing awesome. Really He's been good. Playing great, man. He really has. Yeah. So like 
if those two can keep playing and then have the rest of the team follow their lead, I think they could definitely make a series of this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 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 Terrence Mann had a phenomenal game uh, six in that last series. 30, uh, he had 34 points. No, 39 points he put up in that uh, last game against the Jazz. Uh, this game, I don't know. It came back down to earth. Uh, just didn't quite have it. I don't. I don't know uh, how a guy can put up 39 and then nine the next game. It's kind of insane. Uh, but another guy that stepped up, and I really wish they would have played him a lot more, was Boogie Cousins. Uh, he came out flying. He had eight, 11 points immediately. Had had a, a couple of blocks. He had a few rebounds. Uh, he only ended up playing 13 minutes, 11 points, but. I really wish they would have played him more. Yeah, well, he he got he did get into foul trouble, and I and I think that was what limited him too as well. But I I, I really respect Tyrone Lue, uh, the head coach for like uh, the Clippers, because he put Boogie Cousins in there because he saw something with the Suns that spoke to him that said, you know what, I think he can do damage down low. He was absolutely right. Just yeah. look at how quickly he scored those points. He put up points in them quickly. Media, like yeah, that. yeah. So, so I, I would expect to see Cousins more in this series, more so than obviously what we saw in the last series, which we didn't see him at all. Yeah. Um, you know, when you do line, line up matching like that, sometimes you have to look at your assets and see how to take advantage. And I guess Cousins, they're probably going to be using him a lot more in this series than they ever have. Yeah. L.A. is 0-5 in the first two games of any series throughout this playoff so far. Uh, must be tough on on the uh, stress level for Ty Lu and uh, that coaching staff. Uh, down 0-2 twice. No team's ever done it. Uh, they, they better uh, not go down 0-2 to Phoenix. I think they'll be in massive trouble if uh, they're down 0-2 and having to win for the next five against Suns. Yeah, no, that that would be a problem. Like they they should look at uh, trying to make a split for sure before they go back to L.A. Because at some point in time in this series, Chris Paul will be coming back, and on top of that, he will be coming back rested because yeah. he's still probably getting treatment on that shoulder too as well. Yeah. So he should be coming back pretty healthy when he does come back to the team. Okay, so we had a game seven last night, the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, Philadelphia 76ers, uh, Philly's uh, best team in the East during the regular season. Uh, home court advantage. You think they're going to be able to knock off the fifth-seeded Hawks. But um, so strangely enough, uh, Trey Young has an off game. And Atlanta still wins this game somehow. Uh, Kevin... Uh, uh, Kevin Herter had a, a phenomenal game, uh, really came out of nowhere and shot the lights out. But um, I was really shocked that Atlanta took this game. Uh, what about yourself? How did you feel? I'm going to be honest, man. The Sixers gave away so many leads in this series. Yeah. Like, there's so many times where they should have had the game won. I, I think it was the one that was really egregious was, what, what was that, game five? I think it was game five that they should have definitely won that game. Like, there was no <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, they should have won that game. That I, I kind of, I had my doubts. I, I was, I really had my doubts on whether they could actually finish the series out. And it, it did come down to the end. But 
Young, even though he had an atrocious shooting night, made big baskets coming down the stretch. Down the, the stretch, last, yep, yep. True, and he, yeah. He showed up. And then to try to, and then for them to even have a chance to win that game, Kevin Herter had himself a game. He had himself a huge game with yep. 27 points and seven rebounds, right? And then to supplement that, Gallinari also had a great game as well. 17 points, five rebounds. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, the Sixers can only blame themselves. They had a chance to make this series so much easier than what it actually ended up being, which was a seven-game series. They could have won this game. They should have actually won this series probably in five games. Yeah. But they and then also, too, unfortunately, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons was a liability out there on the court after a while. Jeez. His atrocious free throw shooting, I think he shot like what? 30% or just a little over 30% from the line. Yeah. What are you talking about? You can't <laughs> shoot like that. I, I don't care who you are. Yeah. You have to learn how to shoot free throws. You're a point guard. Yeah. Like, this is not him being a set. Like, you're a point guard, man. Like, now it's coming to a head that his shooting lows, if it's going to cost your team a chance to like progress in the playoffs, yeah. I don't know. I don't. They're going to have to make a change, and I think that change is Simmons going to be out because. Yeah, yeah. well, at the post uh, post game press conference, uh, Doc Rivers was asked, uh, "Can you win with this guy?" And he didn't give him a glowing endorsement. He said, well, "I don't know. We're going to see. Uh, obviously, we got to you know evaluate everything and, and move forward." But uh, yeah, Simmons, you know, he wouldn't even attempt a dunk when he was right under the hoop because he was worried that somebody's going to hack him and and he couldn't uh, score at the line uh no field goal attempts in the whole fourth quarter uh he used to you know drive the hoop and be you know pretty dangerous but uh once they started employing that hack attack and he couldn't uh, sink his free throws uh, he just got skittish and uh, yeah, Atlanta was able to just take advantage of that uh, severely. Uh, I know you and I have talked a lot about him, and he's been, you know, he's been widely criticized his whole entire NBA career that he's not really a shooter. Uh, he's getting paid thirty-six million plus per year. You think a guy's gonna know how to shoot free throws, especially? Uh, yeah, they 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 really got to move forward and. And, and make a you know make a change there. We talked about Kyle Lowry possibly going there at the trade deadline, and they end up getting George Hill instead, and they decide to go for him. But I think it was a huge mistake, and uh, you're missing out on another year of this process. They kept talking about another year of Embiid being at the top of his game. Uh, it was uh, it was pretty sad to watch. Yeah, it was pretty sad to watch. Like there was even a, a point in the first half where. Like the guys from uh, inside the NBA, they were talking about like uh, the Sixers going on transition, and Ben Simmons is dribbling the ball up, and then immediately gives it up to Joel Embiid, like just gets it out of his hand. Yeah, Barkley's absolutely right. It's like, aren't you the point guard? That's your job <laughs> is to bring the ball up, take it all up, and then make the correct play once you get in the offensive part of the court. Yeah. Not just give it up right away. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's just, it's ridiculous. That, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah, I, I i think definitely changes, obviously, are going to be happening for the Sixers. But uh, this this experiment, this thing that they've tried with Embiid and Simmons, I think it's come to an end. I really yeah. do. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, you know, you'd think he would be 
practicing like crazy, going to the gym every day, but it might not just be physical, it might be mental as well. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I think uh, they have to move on. Uh, they've got a, you know, they've got a great uh, score in Steph Curry. They've got, uh, you know, a lot of pieces. Uh, Tobias Harris is a phenomenal second, third option. They've got, you know, a lot of great pieces. I see that they're not missing much in the free agent uh, department. They're only going to lose, you know, some of the bit players. So, uh, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll see. There's going to be some moves there, I believe so. And uh, we'll see what uh, shakes out. But this, um, this makes it Atlanta, Milwaukee. Let's talk about that Milwaukee net series. They had a big game seven as well. Uh, we'll just uh, finish off that. Uh, Giannis was huge. 40-13-5 in that 115-111 overtime victory. Uh, Middleton was great, 23-10-6. Lopez, 19-8. Drew Holiday, very good balance game, 13-7. Seven rebounds, eight assists. Um, yeah, really amazing that they were able to um, knock off the mighty uh, Nets. But, um, yeah, you could see Harden was still hurt. Kyrie not there. Kevin Durant, those last two games, it was just phenomenal how great he played. But I think, um, you know, he ran out of gas, I believe. They, they, they just played him over and over and over and over, and uh, he just wasn't able to hit this, the final shot. Well, you know what? There's no doubt about KD's greatness. There's no doubting that, right? No. He had some legendary games. <laughs> At the end of the day, though, he just didn't have enough help. <laughs> yeah, we can't blame any of that stuff on him. That guy played his ass off. And on top of that, Steve Nash had to rely on him. He had to lean on him and say, I'm sorry, Kevin, but you're going to have to play the entire game. No breaks for you. Yeah. And Katie's like, of course, that's the way it has to be. Mm. Like, it, it, it sucked for the Nets because obviously, if those three guys are healthy, this is a completely different series. Okay. We all know that. But unfortunately, the way it played out was. Kyrie was out. Harden was playing on literally one leg. And even on one leg, which I still don't understand how he does it, I guess he's just that good. 22 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. He almost <laughs> had to put the double on one freaking leg. That's impressive to me. Yeah. That's super impressive to me. And then Kevin Durant, 48 points, nine rebounds, and six assists. But here's the thing. When he made that tying shot, yeah. put it in overtime, if you actually look at his foot placement, if he was two inches more, he wins the game. They won, yeah. They he won that. Three-pointer. They win that series, yeah. Unbelievable, yeah. It just comes down to his toes. Toes were on the line, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it was such a frantic pass, you know, deep pass to him, and he had to launch it. It was one second left when it went through the hoop. Um, yeah, you know, it's so bizarre that you know, two inches, that that game's over and they've won the series. It, it you know, it ends up being a two pointer, goes into overtime, and and Milwaukee wins. Uh, it's a game of inches, and he said, you know, obviously God had a plan, and it wasn't for the Nets to win. So, uh, but isn't that insane? How close that could have been to a, a Nets victory? Yeah, well, it it just goes to show. Like this is the this is the intensity and the quality that we have in the NBA that it, it does come down to inches sometimes yeah. between the greatest players uh, in the sport. 
But um, but again, I I was super impressed with Giannis. Like he Giannis just he did what he needed to do, but he he stayed true to himself and he listened. Like he was down in the block and he made his he made his living down there. Yeah. Drive to the hoop and all that. Like he kept constantly putting pressure on the Nets defense, which is absolutely what he had to do. Yeah. That was what he was supposed to do, and he did that. Uh, he took, I think he ended up still taking five or six threes, but he made two, two to three of those. So cool. not bad. Yeah. I still believe that this uh, the coaching staff should probably limit his attempts to maybe four a game. Like, yeah. And I mean that. I literally do. Sure. Just so that he, he stays focused on what he's supposed to do. What he's what good at, he's yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's so good at, at driving the ball and, you know, being able to get on, down low, uh, post up. You know, he's just so good at so many aspects. He's just, yeah, not a good three-point th- shooter at this point. He can be, yeah, but uh, not yet. Um, yeah, you look at the, the game score, the recap, and, you know, you talked about the points, rebounds, and assists, but look at that far left col- column. There's... Minutes. We got Durant 53, Harris 47. We got Harden 53, Bruce Brown 52. You're like, wow, Nash is just not going to his bench at all. He's running with the guys that uh, are healthy and ready to go. And he just drove them into the ground. But uh, I guess, you know, you got to do what you got to do. It's game seven. And uh, those are the guys that you know are going to win you the game. They came close. But... Uh, how do you think Steve Nash did this year? I think he did spectacular. Like, I, I, I give him a great A. Like, you got an A. You got an A because having to navigate with those personalities, those <laughs> yeah. two guys, having to navigate, you know, Kyrie with his Kyrie stuff, uh, whatever, his mental health issues, trying yeah. to help him get through all of that. And on top of that, knowing that with the pressure of, this team's got to win because look at the freaking team, right? <laughs> you know, so yep. having to deal with all of that stuff and just to come, just to fall short. And the reason why he fell short is because due to injuries, I, I give him I give him an A. I give cool. him an A grade because that's what he deserves. And it was fantastic. I thought he did fantastic work. Nice. Yeah, no, I agree fully. Uh, yeah, it's uh... – Gotta be tough to come in, no head coaching experience, come in, deal with those personalities, deal with the pressure. The expectations were super high because, you know, three of the highest scorers on the planet, three of the top top 10 players maybe. And yeah, just to be uh, able to take them this far. Uh, so banged up all year though, man. That's unfortunate for Brooklyn Nets fans and the, the people that uh, wanted them to go far. It's really... Sad that um, that team couldn't be healthy and we could have watched the juggernaut go all the way. It would have been really incredible and fun to watch. Would have been, yes, it would have been incredible and fun, maybe. But, you know, like sometimes when you have a juggernaut of that on that level, that it's like kind of watching when, when KD with, with Golden State. It's fun, but when they just crush everybody on their way to win the championship, <laughs> yeah. you're just like, oh, okay, so nobody actually has a chance. That's has a chance, fun. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we'll exactly. see, though. Like, and I, I would imagine that obviously the owner is going to keep this team together as much as he can, maybe sure. a couple of tweets here and there. But if that team can stay healthy, like that's the that's the most important thing. If they can stay healthy, 
Yeah. And they go back and they do the same thing. They run it back for the playoffs. Well, then they, they'd have to be the favorites to win. Yeah. You'd have to. Yeah, it's funny how, uh, you know, both uh, both Brooklyn and Philly uh, got knocked out uh, this weekend. But um, changes probably not happening much in Brooklyn, but big changes happening in Philly. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see that how it goes. So what are you thinking? Um, what are we going to see if Milwaukee landed? Do you think Milwaukee's going to walk over them? Do you think they're going to win it in five, something like that? Or do you think this is going to be a long series? It has the potential to be a long series. Um, it, it's 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 the matchups. It's going to be an interesting matchup. It's just it's just going to be a very interesting matchup because um, Atlanta has a lot of weapons, but then so does uh, the Bucks. And yeah. let's be honest, Drew uh, Drew Holiday didn't actually have a great series last series. Yeah. I expect them to have a much better series against the Hawks. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's. I don't know if it's going to be a seven game like classic, like just like what we saw with the Bucks Nets, but it could go six. But I think uh, the favorite's got to be the Bucks. I think yeah. the favorite's got to be the Bucks over the Hawks. I think it go, could go six, though. Right. So do you think we're going to see uh, Milwaukee Phoenix final? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I, because I, I said it before that I thought the Phoenix was the best team. I still believe that. I, I definitely believe they're coming out of the West. Yeah, I, I think uh, Milwaukee, Phoenix. And then finally, that would be vindication for Giannis because he's been almost there for yeah. so long, the last two years. And now if he does make the finals, not necessarily win, but just makes the finals, then I think it takes a lot of pressure and a lot of doubters off his back because now he made the finals. But he's got to get there first. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was a wild weekend. Um, it's incredible these days how a 20-point lead doesn't really mean much. 25, 26, 28 doesn't even mean much. Uh, teams can come back. Almost every game, uh, there's, you know, obviously wild swings in uh, momentum and fluctuation, and teams go up 15, 20 points, and the other team roars back. Almost every game we've seen in the last couple weeks has come down right to the end. No matter what, uh, even when a team really dominates at some point. Yeah. No, no, those leads don't mean anything just because of the fact of how the guys can shoot the three-pointers now. You know, like, it, it just with, especially with, like, just the skill level, with the step back and the dribbles and everything else. Like, even at one point uh, with the, the Hawks Sixers, Kevin Herter made a move. Where he dribbled in between his legs and he did a step back. And even Charles Barkley, like, ooh, wee, <laughs> Man, like, you know, like these, these, these cats, these NBA players now are so incredibly skilled, you know? So, and when they catch fire, they really catch fire, man. And then they're just flamethrowing from deep. I feel that uh, Seth Curry has the, uh, you know, ability to be as dominant as Steph does. He just doesn't get the opportunities, I don't think. I don't think he gets the minutes. I don't think he gets the uh screens that he needs I, I i just think that he's just probably could be just as accurate as steph uh and um, yeah he's fun to watch he he's he's one of the guys that steps over half court and he can sink the ball from anywhere too yes he can and then he had huge games too in, in that series i think i believe he finished with like like 60 percent from behind the line from behind three like wow. that's ridiculous that's amazing <laughs> yeah. i think doc rivers is not 
He's not a dumb man. I think he saw that and be like, all right, well, we're going to have to give him more opportunities. We're going to have to give him more opportunities because the Sixers actually have two flamethrowers back there. They got Seth Curry and they got that guy, Cork Mons, who yeah. I was super impressed with. I thought yeah. that guy played incredibly well. And That's I think great. they better keep him around. I, I, yeah. I hope he's in the contract, but they better keep him around <laughs> and have those guys just, <laughs> just like uh, Steph Curry. They yeah. do that, man. I, I think they'll be running a lot more offense for those two. No kidding. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, he's such. He's just so good from behind the arc, and you know, getting three pointers, uh, catching up. Uh, you know, when they're behind, and yeah, I, I'm I'm super impressed with the outside shooting these days, and no lead safe. Um, you know, keep watching. You know, I know a lot of people that tune out of games after a bit. They're like, oh, that team's dominating. There's no way, and. And at the end, it comes down to the last couple of shots. And, you know, like we said, uh, some of those series could have turned easily. You know, we could be talking about different teams in these finals very, very easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A couple of those series definitely, like if the Sixers had, you know, decided to keep leads and stuff or, and just give them away. Or if the Nets were healthy. Like, you know, like there's all a bunch of different things that go into this, right? Actually, even with... I'm going to, I'm actually going to go back to the Jazz too. If the Jazz were healthy, because yeah. they were missing their point guard, Mike Finley, and Donovan Mitchell, as the series was going on, he, it seemed to me like he was getting more hobbled. But yeah. at the same time, Jesus, I, 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 it doesn't make any sense though, because even in the game that they lost, he still had 39 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, and he's hurt. He's hurt. So yeah. what would that look like if he wasn't hurt? No shit. Yeah. 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 Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Just yeah. amazing. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, yeah, it's um, going to be a great week ahead for the conference finals. Uh, I look uh, forward to seeing how they shake out. Um, but, yeah, why don't we switch to the UFC? They went back to Vegas this um, weekend for a fight night, uh, Vegas 29. And the main event had a featherweight battle between the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung against uh, Dan 50K Ige. And uh, this was a one-sided affair. Uh, the Korean zombie really showed his dominance in this one. And uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't, it, it wasn't close whatsoever. Uh, the zombie was by far the superior fighter. He beat him in every aspect in yeah. that fight. Every Every aspect, man. Like his head movement was on point. Korean zombies, um, his striking was on point. Yeah. Even when um, he would always catch Ige off guard when he would attack, and he did the perfect takedown. Perfect takedown when he was coming forward, he'd take him down, and yeah. then it was just so much more effortless on his takedowns because of just how he caught him just at the right time for yeah. that takedown. And then his transitions to the back, and once he got the back, he got the uh, body body lock on him. Yeah. And then he was at his mercy. He couldn't do anything to get out of that body lock position, like once he had his back. Yeah, no, it was impressive. And, uh, yeah, he has black belts in judo, taekwondo, and hapkido. Uh, and his, yeah, his takedowns, um, yeah, once he got the lock on him, uh, he, you know, went for transition. Uh, he tried to get submissions, uh, just kept him down. Uh really had great strikes just yeah full control just the entire fight it um yeah it's too bad it wasn't a 
uh, a lot closer, but um, I think he, uh, the zombies just on a different level. Um, uh, do you think he uh, deserves a, a title shot now? Came in uh, ranked number three, and uh, yeah, look, looking or no, uh, number four. Sorry, uh, looking like he might, um, yeah, be able to uh, go for a title shot fairly soon. Yeah, he's he's got to be right there in the consideration because now. Um, I know co- going forward, eventually Holloway is going to be fighting Yair Rodriguez. Can't wait for that fight. Absolutely can't wait for that fight. And no. then Ortega is eventually going to fight. No, wait. Is it Ortega? Like, who's the, who's the champion again in that? In that Volkanovski. Volkanovski. So Ortega and Volkanovski are going to fight because they're the Ultimate Fighter, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I this is the way I think it's going to play out. Obviously, Volkanovski is going to fight Ortega. Yeah. I think the winner of the Holloway Yair Rodriguez might get the next shot sure. and maybe and then maybe green zombie just waits waits and yeah. get another shot after that sure okay because yeah. i don't like right now there's nobody else he can fight because everybody has fights so yeah. i think he just chills out and waits and just see how it all plays out because sure. either he fights a top three guy or he fights for the belt and that's it there's yeah. no other fights that he should be taking at this point makes sense yeah yeah makes sense yeah, so, um, okay, we uh, we talked a little bit about the co-main going in. Uh, the veteran, uh, Alexei Olenek, uh, 44 years old, uh, boa constrictor. That's, that was his 76th fight uh, as a pro, 25 years in MMA uh, this year, November, I think. Uh, he'll have his 25th year. Uh, crazy uh, experience, but... The polar bear, um, the younger guy, was able to, um, yeah, get the victory, uh, get the decision win. Uh, how did you? How did you like this one? It, it just seemed like the uh, the younger man just had a little bit more juice than the older man. Eventually, at, at the end of the day, Olenek's never been known for his stand up. He uses his stand up to set up his takedowns, right? Yeah. And then, so I was kind, I was. Very impressed with how Spivak was keeping the distance for framing off his body, yeah. spin off the cage, yeah, and then go back to the center of the ring. I was super impressed by that. Yeah. But uh, eventually, Olenek did get him down in certain positions. And I think he had a chance for a submission. I want to say it was in the second when he had the scarf hold, I believe. Right. But that was really the end of the round, and he ran out of time. Yeah. And then I believe that was really the only time that he truly threatened to finish the fight with Spivak. Other than that, Spivak was, uh, he, he was uh, the better fighter just by holding him off when he could and when he had to. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, so the polar bear should take over uh, Olenek's ranking. Olenek, uh, the oldest fighter, ranked fighter in the UFC at 15. Uh, looks like uh, Spivak will take over that and, and be the 15th ranked fighter. and start facing some pretty um, tough competition going forward. Uh, we'll see if uh, what Olenek do, does. Uh, 44 years old, uh, yeah, not too many guys can compete anymore at that age, so I'm not sure if that was it for him, but um, we'll uh, we'll see how things things uh, play out. Uh, the, the fight before that, the bantamweight fight between Marlon Chito Vera and Dangerous Davey Grant was my favorite fight of the night. Uh, these guys were battle warriors, uh, huge punches, great kicks, 
lots and lots and lots of action. Uh, hell of a great fight, and um, yeah, it went to a decision. Uh, how how did you like this one? I loved it. I loved it. I loved the fact that um, the fight literally flowed everywhere, everywhere in every conceivable fashion that you could fight a man. That's yeah. where this fight went, and it was awesome to see. It was absolutely yeah. awesome because um, I believe after the first round, uh, Chito Vera's corner was just like, "Well, you you better pick it up." He kind of in a fight right now because he was starting <laughs> off slow and they didn't, they didn't want him to start off that slow. Yeah. And then in the second round, he most certainly picked it up. My goodness. It's like he started to wear away and chip away at the man's will, at, at David Grant's will. Yeah. And he did that with those short, short in elbow strikes when he was in the clinch. Those started to rear their nasty head a lot more in the second and third round. Yeah, and like caught him and yeah, caught him and, and he yeah. started. And then in the third round, that's when he took it up to yet another level. Yeah. Because there's nothing to this game. And the intensity and the way that he fought David Grant third, it just showed me just how much he wanted to win this fight in the rematch, in this rubber match. Like yeah. he wanted this fight, I think, a little bit more than Grant, but at the same time, Grant showed amazing heart. Anybody else probably would have been finished at the end there when he had that choke in. It looked to me, yeah. he still fought it off. That was amazing. That was, that was amazing. amazing. Yeah, very incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just trying to see. Oh, okay. Yeah, that did get fight of the night. It got 50K for both guys. I was hoping so. I hadn't actually heard uh, before this moment, but. I thought it was, um, yeah, just a hell of a great battle. Uh, Cheeto Vera, man, I, I, I love that guy. He's so skilled in so many areas, like you say. And, and uh, that this fight did go to every possible area that you could fight in mixed martial arts. And, uh, yeah, huge victory for Cheeto. So, um, yeah, great to see that. Uh, okay, uh, another one of the... Uh, performance of the night bonuses went to Choi Sung Woo, another Korean fighter. Two Korean fighters on the card. Uh, Woo ended up uh, dropping Erosa and uh, grounded pound uh, Kate KO knockout. Um, pretty incredible performance by by him. Yo, yes, uh, KO'd him with uh, I think it was a hard left hook that uh, took him out or knocked him to the ground and then grounded pound finish. Uh, it only took him one minute and 37 seconds to get that done. But you could tell uh, within their exchanges who was the more powerful striker, which was by far and away with Choi. Yeah. He was definitely very accurate and uh, very deadly with his strikes. Yeah, his strikes were just so technically sound and just super powerful. Uh, I was cheering for Rosa a little bit because um, – He's a Washington State guy here from the West Coast, Yakima he comes from. Nice to see guys from uh, this part of the world uh, do well. But, uh, yeah, he was in tough with with Wu. Uh, man, amazing knockout. Uh, I, w I thought it was stopped a little early, and then I saw Erosa as he was standing up, and he was super wobbly, barely could stand until they got him a chair. So it was an, a just stoppage, I think. Yes, it was a very good stoppage because, yeah, once he started to get up and uh, it took the ref to stabilize him. And when the ref had to stabilize you, good stoppage. Yeah, good stoppage. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
Yeah, so, uh, okay, there was a, uh, a fight between Wellington Terman and Bruno Silva. Uh, Silva was fighting his UFC debut. Uh, he ended up getting a, a really big knockout right at the very end of the first round. Uh, a great, uh, great debut and a huge win for him. Yeah, his ground and pound is utterly devastating and destructive. I, it's very rare to see a man generate that much power when he's on the ground like that. And once he started hitting him, especially at the end of that round, I'm like, cover up, buddy. Cover up, woman. He didn't do that. Crack. And then all of a sudden you could see he, he was seeing stars and then he put him out. Yeah. He put him to sleep. I'm so glad the ref was actually attentive and got in there so that the man didn't actually have to take too much damage after the fact. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. Great, great win by Silva. Great win by Silva. Yeah, just to be able to generate like power, like you say, and be able to get the knockout punch, just not a lot of a wind-up. Um, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, boom, just uh, huge cracks and, and amazing, amazing performance from Silva. Uh, great yeah huge knockout and like i said in his debut so um yeah i think he'll he'll move into that middleweight picture very very quickly uh matt brown diego lima uh matt brown an incredible veteran he's been around forever and ever and uh he also got 50k for a performance of the night uh was able to get a knockout in the second round and uh yeah, super impressive. Uh, he said, "How's that for forty, bitch?" <laughs> he was, uh, yeah, pretty happy to get his knockout and a great, great performance there. I love watching that guy fight because yeah. he he brings the fight. He 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 wants to brawl, um, but also too the reason I really enjoyed watching this fight because you saw two different techniques when it came to kicking. Um, right. Brown attacked the attacked the quadricep just above the knee when he yeah. kicked and then Diego Lima was attacking his calf yeah. but both were, were eventually getting hobbled as the fight was wearing on yeah. I was just thinking to myself who's going to survive that I don't know well yeah. I guess we had our answer in the second round because also too another thing that Matt Brown was starting to do in the second round he's starting to faint try to draw out those attacks from Lima and then when he hit him with that overhand right good night that's all he wrote. Yeah. I, he knocked him out, and he didn't even try to follow that up because he didn't need to. That was, was a- yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, just super amazing. Um, yeah, he joined some elite company. That was his 16th win in the UFC, uh, joining the likes of GSP, uh, Neil Magny, Matt Hughes, uh, most KOs all time. He's tied with Derek Lewis and Vitor Belfort, tied for third of all time with 12 KOs. And uh, the Immortal One is still there. Uh, just incredible. Uh, bam, right on the button, and just Lima just dropped right on his face. It was just over. There was nothing more he had to do. Uh, I think everybody was stunned and shocked that it was just such a huge, quick KO like that. Yeah, well, it, it was stunning, but I was just glad to see it because, like, I I, I want to see more Matt Brown. 
But if, if for me to want to see more Matt Brown, Matt Brown's got to win. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it was it was awesome that he did win. So that means I get to see more Matt Brown. So that's awesome. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, yeah, we we don't have a huge amount of time, but uh, do you want to talk about anything on the, the prelim cards? Uh, anything standing out for you? I do want to talk. I just want to point to one of the fights, which was the Jandaroba versus Murata. Yeah. One thing I want to say is uh, Murata is tough <laughs> as nails. What the heck was that all about? She literally fought the second round with a dislocated left arm or a severely injured or whatever the heck was wrong with that arm because it didn't move. It was completely destroyed. And I, I give her all the credit in the world. I, I, I kind of don't know how the ref didn't notice that because it was kind of just dangling there and it was useless. But I give her all the credit in the world. In that first round where uh, Jandaroba had that arm lock, that arm bar in, yeah. that's when you tap. She didn't tap. Didn't tap. Didn't yeah. tap. Like, Crazy. Like when I was watching it, I go, hey, it looks deep. It's not tapping though. So maybe maybe she has a little wiggle room. No. Once the second round started, I go, no, she had no wiggle room. Look at the arm. <laughs> it's it, gone. Yeah. It's just gone. So I hey, great win by Jandaroba. Uh, for her to win in that in that fashion, in that devastating kind of fashion, but all credit for Murata, man. She and she was willing to go out there for the third round, just one arm. She didn't care. Crazy, hey? Yeah, yeah. We keep talking about these tough, uh, tough men, but uh, yeah, these women are also incredibly tough. They're just not not regular human beings. Uh, they can withstand an amazing amount of pain. And, and and punishment to their bodies and still want to keep going on yeah it, it's it's incredible it really is it's incredible to see when you see that that level of will and determination in a fight uh just anything to win anything yeah, to win. yeah. so uh, yeah i mean there was other fights uh we're just running out of time but uh chaos williams had a decision uh josh parisian had a a real tough battle against uh, Roque Martinez. Uh, got the decision victory. A big knockout win immediately by uh, Rick Glenn over Joaquin Silva. That was a crazy KO. It was 37 seconds into that first round. Uh, just caught him with a stiff left, dropped him, and then just uh, threw a ton of shots as he was on the ground to uh, finish it off. But, um, yeah, anything else you want to mention? Um. No, no, just, uh, well, going back to the Williams versus Smellsberger fight, yep. I was very impressed with the way that Williams actually, you know, he's a knockout artist, but right. he, like, he, he kept his composure and he kept his patience and he fought a very good fight, a very disciplined fight, knowing yep. that he wasn't going to be able to knock this guy out. So kind of yep. kept it kept it back and it just didn't keep going, throwing for haymakers. Very but smart. I thought he fought a very well smart disciplined fight yeah 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 some of these guys once they uh you know taste a few really quick knockouts they're you know just going for blood the whole time and then when they face stiffer stiffer competition where they can't knock them out they don't know what to do but you're right uh he, he smart fought a smart fight and uh, got the victory there so good on him yeah so uh we've got a uh another fight coming up uh the 26th uh Fight to look ahead to, uh, Ciro Gane and Alex Volkov are the main event, uh, heavyweight battle, 
And the co-main event has uh, friend Tanner Bozer facing Ovince St. Pru. So uh, let's talk about the first one. Uh, what do you think we're going to see in that battle of two titans? I, I think you're going to be seeing a very technical stand-up war. Very super technical. But I'm, I'm going to throw this out there because he has the ability to do this. I think to switch it up, I think Volkov, you might see some takedowns from Volkov's end against oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes because, sense. Because I, we haven't seen Gagne do any of that kind of stuff, and I don't know how he would react to working off his back. Right. So I think Volkov might chest him on that. Not yeah. just keep it standing up. I think he might take him down too as well. So that's something to look for in that fight. Yeah. And uh, Tanner Bozer got what he wanted. He wanted a quick turnaround to get that Elier Latifi fight out of his uh, bad taste out of his mouth. Uh, he was a, a late replacement. Uh, gets about a week and a half. Uh, I I am a little worried just because uh, he was in quarantine. He said he uh, didn't eat well. He just kind of lazed around and hung around for a week, which he always likes to do, having at least a week off. But he was supposed to be quarantined uh, all the way till either yesterday or today. And then this is fight week. So um, hopefully as soon as he got the call, he was able to get training, get uh, working on it. But... Uh, that was the only concern I have. Obviously, uh, Tanner's a super talented guy, and you know I think he can beat uh, almost anybody in this division at some point. But um, what about you? Uh, well, this is uh, was this maybe too quick of a turnaround? He was thinking about July, but uh, he's fighting already in June. Yeah, it, it is a very quick turnaround against a quite a dangerous opponent. <laughs> Let's be honest. This is yeah. the OSP is no pushover by any yeah. stretch of imagination. I think uh, Tanner definitely has the capabilities and the abilities to win this fight, yeah. but I think he's going to have to use his best assets to his advantage, which is his speed, his, uh, uh, his uh, movement, uh, keeping his distance, and then popping in and out when he can uh, to, to try to damage and hurt OSP. Yeah. But uh, he's just going to have to be very conscious of OSP's power as well. Yeah. Very yeah, well, OSP is you know such an athlete. Uh, he was really in college. He was a really good football player, great wrestler, great track and field star. Um, he's uh, had a long career in mixed martial arts. Um, he has been win one, lose one, win one, lose one for quite a bit of his career. And he's only had one heavyweight fight. Uh, he lost to Ben Rothwell by a split decision. Uh, he's fought um, in the light heavyweight division his whole entire career until just a, a recent change. Uh, I think he was starting to have some troubles making weight uh, at the light heavyweight division. Uh, he fought uh, in September 2020 against Rothwell as a heavyweight. And then he fought in December, this past December, and it was a catchweight fight. Uh, St. Pru missed weight. Uh, so they made it a catchweight fight. Uh, he couldn't get down to 205, and he lost to Jamal Hill. So I don't know. I'm not sure where he's going to walk in at. Uh, I don't have uh, in front of me what he walked in at weight-wise uh, for Rothwell, but um, do you think this is a bit of advantage because uh, Tanner has fought heavyweight his whole entire career, uh, OSP moving up? I, I, I think so. 
I, I would I would definitely have to give the advantage to Tanner because of his uh, previous experience, obviously fighting in the heavyweight division, and now that OSP is possibly officially just moving up and staying there now. Yes, he's he's fought in the heavyweight division, and well, he fought one of the baddest guys in the heavyweight division to a split decision, which was Ben Rothwell, which is actually pretty that that's pretty significant, and that's that's very significant, but. Definitely, I would give the advantage to Tanner Bozer, but it doesn't necessarily mean that once they get into the octagon that he'll be the bigger guy. They might be pretty close in weight. Yeah, they could be. Yeah. Uh, Tanner uh, weighed in 242, his last fight against Latifi. We'll see where he comes in. Uh, he said he was too small the fight before, needed to put on some weight. So, um, yeah, we'll see if he comes in uh, the same or, or something different. Um, uh, OSP fought John Jones for the light heavyweight title belt April 23rd, 2016. So we're talking a little more than five years ago. Uh, after that fight, he lost his next two. Then he won three in a row. Then he lost, he won, he lost two in a row. Win, loss, win, loss. So uh, up and down lately, hasn't been really consistent performer. So uh, we'll see um, how it goes. But uh, great to see Tanner get his wish. Uh, it's always nice that the USC listens to these guys. Uh, he went on Twitter immediately and said, give me an immediate fight. I want to uh, fight my last fight of this contract and beat somebody and keep going on. And uh, I want to get this bad taste out of my mouth. Uh, I'm, I'm throwing that word in there, but his, um, yeah, he asked, asked for it and he got his wish really quick. Yeah, I know. And uh, I, I'm glad that uh, the USC has gifted him his wish. Um, but he, his opponent is definitely not a pushover. It's going to be a hard fight, but it's definitely a winnable fight. I just, yeah. I, I just firmly believe as long as he utilizes his best skills, he can definitely win this. Nice. Yeah, I like that um, he's there on the card too. Because if Gane or Volkov fall off, one of them too, uh, they might, you know, move, move uh, the co-main event. Uh, up to the main event or, you know, be able to replace one of those guys. And so he might get a shot at uh, main event money, uh, you know, and possibly with OSP, I think uh, he could get a 50K bonus. So I think it's going to be, sh could be fight of the night for sure. Yes, definitely. It could be fight of the night. It has the possibility of doing that. Um, but then again, so does the main event, uh, yeah. depending upon the way that they, those two fight. Like if they fight too cautious, then, it could be a snoozer, but I, I just have the significant feeling that Volkov won't let it get to that point. I think Volkov, out of the two fighters, will definitely be pushing the pace against Ghani. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, 13 fights on the card. Uh, a lot of great fighters. Feely uh, fighting Pineda. That looks like a good one. Tim Means against Dalby. Moinkano against Ja Herbert. Uh, prelims look good. Lots of talented fighters. Timur Valiev is a phenomenal fighter. Uh, I, yeah, up and down. A lot of great fights look to be on this card. So uh, can't wait for next Saturday and can't wait to break it down with you. Uh, I did want to mention one thing that I saw so with some UFC news. Uh, Sean Shirk, the muscle shark, uh, used to be a champion in the UFC. Uh, he came out this... Um, this past week and just talked about how brutally underpaid the UFC fighters are. Um, he can't believe how bad the, the pay is for these guys. And he, 
He talked about how much money he he got paid throughout his career. He was paid just $35,000 for his title fight against uh, BJ Penn. Uh, Penn was uh, paid $250,000 for it, but $35,000 for a title fight, uh, uh, pretty pretty bad uh, pay there. And uh, he said, you know, his, his entire career, he was super underpaid, and he said it hasn't changed much. This is $7 billion company, and uh, these guys are still getting uh, really, really not enough money for what they're doing. Why do you think the Partita brothers made so much money? Yeah, that's why, because Dana White is very good at his job. He's very good at uh, suppressing fighter yeah. persons. And then that's why he's still there. Yeah. To be honest, that's right. why he's still there. Yeah. It's just to suppress those fighter persons to make sure that they don't get to exorbitant levels, except for exceptions to that rule, which is Conor McGregor. Right. Pretty much it. Um, John Jones has tried to fight the establishment to get himself some more money. I think he's personally, he's probably aiming a little too high, but at the same time, again, they're not going to give him what they, they feel that he shouldn't deserve what, what he doesn't deserve. Right. Yeah. I, yeah so, and that's going to continue. That's going to continue until you have another guy that comes along like Connor or something like that, that can all, all of a sudden have that bump up in pay to hopefully bring along everybody else to get a bump up in pay. Yeah. Yeah, he said the uh, UFC should be extremely embarrassed by the fact that uh, their uh, former champions and top-ranked fighters have to go fight YouTube stars with barely any fight experience, and they make 10 times more money than they do in the UFC. He said, uh, I've been retired for 10 years and nothing has changed in the organization. UFC fighters are still some of the worst-paid athletes. On the biggest stages uh anderson silva actually was fighting this past week weekend i don't know if you caught any of it but uh he upset uh, uh julio chavez jr in a boxing match and uh he got paid supposedly massive amount of money and uh yeah uh, these guys are are going to these really strange boxing cards and they're making just outrageous amounts of money compared to you know what they do at the ufc and ufc is a a very high highly respected legit organization um but uh for some reason you know youtube stars are making uh so much more money than these guys are it's crazy well and then also too again let's be honest ufc actually doesn't care they don't no. care what they do care about is making their money and then they don't care about anything else but to, at, with that being said, they should be somewhat embarrassed because I think even yeah. Tyro Woodley's going to be fighting one of these calls coming up here. I, I think that's what I heard. Yeah. He, exactly. First, fighting that dude that, that is not a fighter, is not a professional, just an amateur YouTuber yeah. that, that picks up boxing because it's a thing that he likes to do and he likes to look good. And he's going to make more money doing that than any first that he's ever made in the UFC. Crazy. Yeah. Like that, does that make it when Doesn't you look at sense. it from that respect, does that make any sense to you? No. Seeing that UFC is on the global stage. It's the epitome of MMA. But these guys have to leave MMA, fight a YouTuber, <laughs> and make five to eight to ten times more money than they've ever had in the UFC. You do have to take a look at that and be like, Jesus, 
maybe it's time I got out of my contract as quickly as possible to start fighting YouTubers so I can make money. Yeah, bizarre, hey? Yeah. yeah. They said that uh, UFC 263 without Asanya had 600,000 pay-per-view buys. Uh, that was quite a bit down from his previous two title defenses. So uh, usually they're getting uh, you you know they're getting about what eighty dollars a pay-per-view buy. So you know start doing the math. There's a lot of money to be divvied up. Uh, you know there uh, the last two uh, title fights that Adesanya had was against Costa, seven hundred thousand pay-per-view buys for that one. And eight hundred thousand for his champ champ uh, fight against Blahovic, eight hundred thousand pay per view buys for that one. So, um, yeah, somebody do the math real quick and realize, <laughs> wow, where is all that money going? I know Uncle Dana's taking a lot, but it's going into other people's pockets too. And uh, these are the guys that are putting their lives on the line. Uh, let's pay them more fair. You know, let's just make it more fair. Just more fair. That's it. That's all they want. Just more fair. It's just... yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes, like especially this year, we've been uh, privy to some egregious injuries to these yeah. guys. Real. So yeah. first off, I'll say this: thank goodness that the UFC actually has a, a, like a health insurance policy for their fighters. All right, yeah. so they do take care of them in that respect, but. Financially, monetarily, they could take care of them a little bit better. Let's say, for example, like the the, the fifty thousand dollar bonuses. I think actually, um, whoever made that uh, that uh, that uh, recommendation to Dana White to bring it up to seventy five thousand, I think that was um, Max I Holloway. Know. I believe man, it was either Max Holloway or Tony Ferguson. That was Tony, uh, Ferguson. Tony, was Tony Ferguson, Ferguson yeah. that actually did that. That actually should just be a thing. Yeah. That shouldn't just be a one-off thing. That should just be a thing yeah. of a seventy-five thousand. Yeah. That's that's where that actually should be. Sure. And but again, they're not in there to not make money. Yeah. They had to spend like four to five billion dollars, and they're still paying that off. I understand that. I understand that the economics of that. But eventually, at some point in time, these guys are going to start just leaving. And going to other organizations that are willing to pay them more because there are other organizations out there that do have money. They're mm -hmm. not the only game in town. I think you're going to start seeing that more and more. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's too bad. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't happen. But, you know, you got to feed your family. You got to look at your legacy. You only have a short time, you know, time span in a mixed martial arts career. Typically, they're not getting into the UFC until their mid to late 20s. They're done for sure by 40, typically. Uh, so, you know, you, you might have a 10-year lifespan. You know, you're fighting once or twice a year, sometimes three times, but most guys are fighting once or twice a year. It's just, yeah, these guys aren't going to have a have a great life uh, post-fight career because, um, they you know, they're just not making the money that they should as professional athletes top of their game. Yeah, because not everybody is Conor McGregor. Not everybody actually ha is that fortunate or has the financial weight now behind them to look at the UFC and go, oh, no, you kind of want me to fight. You're going to yeah. make a lot of money if I do fight. So if you're going to make a lot of money, that means I'm going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I do like that they uh, split the pay-per-view buys with some of the top guys, but I think that should filter down and, 
you know, help help out a lot of this, you know, smaller guys on the prelims and, you know, uh, you know, throughout the card. I don't think it should just be the top two guys because they're already, you know, possibly making millions. But anyway, uh, you know, discussion, more of a discussion for a later time. Uh, no uh, basketball games on this evening, but uh, tomorrow Phoenix uh, plays their game two against L.A., and uh, they also have the NBA draft lottery to watch for. So always kind of interesting and fun to see who's going to be picking where. And uh, yeah, as I said, a uh, huge week ahead for the uh, NBA and uh, lots to look forward to for next weekend's UFC card. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to, to start watching the conference, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals with the Bucks and the Hawks. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of interested to see exactly what... Um, what the what their offenses and defensive schemes and strategies are going to be for both teams, yeah. and then also too, I'm looking forward to seeing more awesome shooting performances and passing and everything else from Devin Booker as he yeah. leads his Suns in a victory over the Clippers. I'm actually even going to give a Charles Barkley guarantee. Suns <laughs> yeah. win. <laughs> what was uh what was the deal with the ping pong balls i never really understood why they were coming down raining down on them did you see the ping pong balls uh falling on their head this weekend yes i i did you know what i think they're just like we're just gonna try different stuff we're just gonna do <laughs> stuff and so the ping pong balls were a thing did you see the little tiny uh, hard hat on the on Charles' head? He's like, I got a big head. What am, what am I going to say? It was just this little beanie cap that was on the top. He didn't. I don't think he ever put on a hard hat in his life because he didn't open it up as far as he did. Because I think later on I saw it far farther down on his head. Yeah, it looked good on him because he, he got a big head. Apparently, <laughs> what he did say was like, I got a big brain in there. And I'm like... Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think Ernie Johnson said, no, there's more brains in that hat than it is in your head. <laughs> nice Both move. Nice. I love, I love yeah. that. Yeah, those guys are so great. It's so great. It's so great to be able to watch them on a nightly basis or a semi-nightly basis. Uh, I wish they had all the playoffs. ESPN's got the West and, and uh, TNT's got the East, so we're only seeing them every second night now. But uh, they're... Ben, we've been really blessed over the past two, three weeks. We've been seeing them uh, almost every night. It's been great. No, no, it's been awesome. And I just look forward to seeing more of these guys. And mm -hmm. also, too, I, I want to point this out. I'm actually quite enjoying uh, the journey with uh, Marv Albert since this is his last uh, yeah. bit of broadcasting and then he's retiring. And yeah. and he deserve, deservedly so. He's yeah. given all of us so many great moments with his commentating and stuff and yeah. uh i'm gonna miss it i'm gonna miss that familiar voice that i'm so familiar with over the decades that yeah. he's done it and uh yeah happy trails to him and i hope that he enjoys the heck out of his retirement because it's well earned one of the greatest voices in sports and you know especially basketball you you know you think back to all the great uh, calls he's had and and yeah, it's sad. It's sad when these guys finally uh, decide to hang him up and and move off into retirement. But uh, yeah, I'm glad he's getting his due. I'm glad people are telling him how loved he he is, and and you know, being able to celebrate him. Uh, yeah, one of the greatest uh, announcers in the history of sports. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I can think of just 
dozens of great calls that he's had over the years. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I can think of so many, um, but uh, at the end of the day, he'll be sorely missed. Uh, I'm gonna, miss, I'm gonna miss that iconic voice of his that I've heard for just so long. So, um, but uh, happy trails to him, and I just wish him nothing but the best because it's a retirement well, well, well earned. True. Yeah. Good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, man, this was fun. As usual, uh, awesome way to wrap up the weekend. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, enjoy the weather. Uh, this is going to be a phenomenal week for great weather around here and and uh, lots of sports to talk about uh, next week. So, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, anytime, my friend, anytime. And, uh, yes, I'm going to go out there and enjoy the weather right now. All okay. right. Okay, perfect. Okay, cheers. Bye for now. Bye-bye for now. Okay, uh, that come that puts a wrap on our show. I want to thank our partners and sponsors before we go. Uh, let's go here. Boom. Okay, there we go. Uh, Anchor has been a great partner and sponsor for Complete Sports Media. They've been fantastic at posting on multiple podcast platforms just go to anchor.fm and you can do what jason and i just did uh, have your own podcast uh, verbero the hockey equipment and apparel company industry leader in technology performance and value and as always the v350 stick is a must for any hockey player in your family pampas and possibilities they design and sell dried florals do floral arrangements and installations check them out and forever living the aloe vera company they grow and manufacture aloe vera based products for health and beauty so thank you so much to our partners and sponsors as always appreciate the support uh and thank you thanks for tuning in hope you enjoyed it as much as we did doing it uh great to break down the basketball and the uh, ufc mixed martial arts Anyway, um, yeah, enjoy the uh, great weather out there. Enjoy the basketball, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care of yourself. Love you lots. Bye for now.